Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm Steve. And this week we're looking at Season 5, Episode 21, Roz and the Shinaz, in which Roz meets her future grandparents, or the future grandparents of her unborn child, I should say, and takes issue with their physical appearance. Steve, this week I want you to give me a physical attribute of yourself, either that you dislike or, perhaps more importantly, that you enjoy about yourself, that you like... (laughs) And you can you can have one of either one of each. You know what I? Uh, it's probably the weirdest. I, I'm not actually that bothered at all about my appearance, as you can almost tell. Um, You're a very handsome man, so that doesn't make any sense to me. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm not sure to go now. This is, this is are, you bl- are you blushing there, Stephen? Battery gets you everywhere. Well, well um, I just, guess we'll just leave it there then. Um, <laughs> I'm not, you know, people say about, you know, would you be ashamed of going bald? I don't have hair. You know, I lost my hair quite young, so I shave my head. I have a beard that's quite scruffy. I'm not that bothered about things like that. In fact, I broke a tooth about five or six years ago now. Ouch. And when I went into the dentist, they said, oh, you've basically given yourself a root canal the way you've stacked it. And it, I don't know how I did it anyway. And um, she said, well, it's going to cost you £300 to have it repaired or something, or 30 quid and we can take it out. I went to take it out. She went, well, cosmetically, it won't look that nice. I went, I don't really care. It's it's nice. broken. Do I want to go through this horrible pain of having a tooth removed, fixed, you know, root canal done? Just take the damn thing out. I just, is, I is it even visible to the... Yeah, that's oh, But I mean, unless you tilt your head to the side and do exactly. that, you and can't... I would, never, I would never have known that you had a missing tooth there. No, so... A few back on one side, and like you say, unless I'm really opening my mouth or or taking a picture from just that side, mm. cosmetically it doesn't make a difference to me. I mean, where do you stand on sort of cosmetics? Obviously, they they mentioned that Rosa's uh, she, mm. she had her ears fixed, and she says her she had a lazy eye. I mean, how were you as a child? Were you abnormal? Did you have your ears? <laughs> fixed or... I I don't believe touch touch wood. Um, I say that I'm talking about the past, so touching wood is pointless. Um, that I've ever had any kind of correcting surgery of that kind. Um, I I think it's uh, it's it's very much kind of horses for courses, and people have all sorts of procedures done. Some for very, you know, legitimate reasons. Um, I don't, not that I want to say some are legitimate and that some aren't, but perhaps some people do get kind of frivolous cosmetic surgery done. Um, but it's it's a kind of you know it, it's a case by case thing. But there's nothing, you know. I ask that question to you. I don't think there's anything about me that I would, if I had the money, I would have corrected. Um, I mean, I've always had a slightly larger kind of Roman-esque nose. I think they're called a Roman nose, if that term is, is still used. Um, you know, so I relate in some ways to Rick's mom and dad in this episode, although mine isn't comically large. Um, it's just perhaps larger. Um, so I'd be very interested to hear from listeners, perhaps about something that they that they have, have, have reflected upon that this episode has caused them to reflect upon. But I'd also like to hear some celebratory things from listeners about things that they, they love about themselves. Because I think, you know, if we're going to take anything from this episode, maybe let's celebrate physical attributes um, as, much as, as much as we um, kind of critique them. 
but we'll get all into that as the as the episode unfolds. Before that, shall we took ourselves into a schnozzy trivia corner. I, I dread to think what questions I'm going to have. Is it like sort of what size nose has so and so in inches? <laughs> yeah. Let's go for it. Let's get into the trivia corner. Let's get into the corner itself. So I'm going to open this week, I believe, um, because I know our boys and our cadre have been busy um, with life just as we get busy. Um, so I think we've just got some questions from MK and a few of the trivia the trivia groups. So I'm going to open with those for you uh, this week, Steve. So from MK first, from where is Michael Hawkins? Oh, is this... Is he in the opening scene where he's not physically? Is that the guy in the opening scene where he says he's willing to give his brother a lung or something like that? I think it is um, because I was struggling to place. And I only watched this episode about two hours ago. I was struggling to place where Michael Hawkins was from. I, I, if, if it's the bloke I think it is, I think he is. he from Pennsylvania? He bloody well is. Can you, for an extra point, remember the, the city or the town? And town is a clue. Do you know what? I don't think I can name a single town or city in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. Uh, um, a common male name, not that, not much heard these days. And then town, something town. A common male name for perhaps 30, 40 years ago. Mark Town. Allen Town. Looking for Allen Town. No, um, Mark Town's a pretty good guess. Uh, other than Seattle. What three specific locations are mentioned in this episode? Two of them are cities. One of them is a country. In that case, I will guess probably Japan. Japan? Probably Japan. (laughs) Um, Two of them are cities. Oh, um, San Francisco? Frisco, baby. There he is. Martin Duke go there. Next one. Third, third location. Third location. No, give me the third one. What's the third one? It's where Rick is studying. Can you remember not, where Rick is? Not Cairo, I remember. Um, <laughs> not Cairo. Uh, oh, where is it? Uh, Paris. 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 Very good. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you two and a half out of three. There. You basically were there. Give me a lot of clues, but. Um. I mean, some some would say. Um. But uh. But pretty good stab there, Steve. Right. Ending MK's group for you this week. How many messages did Ross have waiting on the answering machine? I wrote this question for you. It's thirteen. Uh, it is thirteen. Yeah. That's always. I love it when that happens because although it robs someone of a question, it shows the just sheer simpatico that exists between host and Codre trivia. Yeah, Codre. I love that. Um, as soon as I heard it, I was like, "That is going to stump Will." <laughs> <laughs> it would have as well. It would have because I thought it was like in the thirties. I misheard the number. Um, trivia from Run for Your Life. How many times is the word "nose" said? The exact word, no more, no less. This is a wonderful question from Amy. Love this. And an absolutely probably impossible answer to guess. I'm going to say... I'm... I. So, so the word knows, right? N-O-S-E, because obviously yeah. its homonym, K-N-O-W, is used. So just yeah, yeah. the word knows. Just the body part. Um... Obviously, there's a lot of nosy, nosier. Which obviously do not count. No, and obviously the, the everyone knows your nosier, which is the same, so that's not... I'm going to guess 
probably still I don't know is it god this is a good question is it like one is it going to be really ridiculously it's either none or one isn't it <laughs> are you, which one are you locking in do you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to guess because if it's no <laughs> singular there's times that Fraser says they just happen to have rather large noses which doesn't count I presume I'm I don't say, think it counts. I'm going to say they don't say it at all. I'm going to guess that they say no zero times. I love that as an answer. I've got here four. Damn. I have four. <laughs> we will have to do a bit of a tracing just because I, I completely believe Amy, but it'd be curious to know when those you occur. Know I, I trust um, that that's probably dead accurate. I, that's I, a super I had a question. feeling that she was probably trying to trick me and that it probably isn't said at all, and that would have been great trivia to know. That, that, would, have been, that would have been great drama. Great <laughs> podcasting. Uh, trivia from Little Owlet in the Glen, our girl Rachel. Uh, Daphne reveals that sapphires are her birthstone. That would mean her birthday is in which month, and why does this create a continuity issue? Mm. I have no idea about birthstones to know when that's going to be. I mean, I've got a 1 in 12 guess, so I'm going to say July. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for September. September. Right. So continuity error would say that her birthday is not in the month that that sapphire is to do with. Can oh, you right what month? There. Can you remember what month her birthday is celebrated oh. in the episode Guilt Trippers? When's that? Season nine? Season ten? It's late. It's late. Fraser. Um. Right, uh, Fraser's is March. <laughs> <laughs> I think Roses is in May. They have Cinco de Mayo for Roses. I'm going to say her birthday is October. It's May. Damn, <laughs> it's May. This is a continuity oh issue. So, so September, yeah, uh, is the is the actual, um, but that that would be the birthstone That's of birthday, um, yeah. of sapphires. Uh, this is a continuity issue as we later see her celebrating her birthday in May in the episode Guilt Trippers, which would mean her birthstone would be emerald. Very good indeed. Uh, trivia from Little Bobby Briscoe. Never get tired of saying that. What is the name of Daphne's friend who slept with her boss, and what did she receive for it? She gets... Is it a diamond bracelet? She bloody ruddy does, Stephen. And I didn't have, didn't have to sleep with him. But that. now that now that I've got the sapphires... Oh, God, what am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's her name? Her name is going to be... It, it's not... Oh, it's not Annie because Annie's the. It's it's um, more common than Annie and Daphne. You would you would still hear it very commonly today, whereas those two, I don't think you oh, would. Just maybe you think that is it? It's not Rachel, is it? Is it it's Rachel? It's not Rachel. Why it's got it? the same vowel ending as Annie and Daphne. <laughs> Deirdre, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no idea. It's Molly. Molly, of course. Molly, 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 Molly. Uh, and finally, from our Trivia Masters and Co. this week, Trivia from Niall Crane. Apart from the pronounced noses, what is special about the Garrett's hint? Think outside the box. The, the oh, hint. this is this is quite nice, actually. I didn't yeah. know this. Brings me to think that it's Kevin Klein and Jordan Baker, isn't it? They're married. They are married. It's not Kevin Klein. It's Kevin Kilmer. But I always get him and Klein confused. 
um kevin klein is the the father of a great musician actually who goes by the name of well she's in a group with frankie cosmos but there you go kevin kilmer who i know from home alone three he's kevin's dad um and jordan baker the actors got married in real life on october 10th 98 just a few months after the episode aired which is really nice yeah i think Um, i mean that his hint was good but um also i've seen that on fraser fan club a few times that people have mentioned that they are married in real life so nice my two kevins uh the right way around <laughs> and uh, yeah <laughs> and even kind of weirder in my my orbit of pop cultural references i'm studying and oh, i'm teaching and reading at the moment the great gatsby next year jordan baker is a character in the great gatsby and there was a lad in my year at secondary school called jordan baker so there you go <laughs> um it's all full circle here i we're listening all the um, Jordan you're listening you know um, <laughs> uh steven lay your quiz on me to misquote abba well, I did have three, but I'll, I'll give you two. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you the easier, shorter one first, which, well, I think it's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, what three characteristics does Roz say the baby could gain from the grandparents? They're in the kitchen. She's talking to Fraser. She says good sense of humour. Correct. She says sweet disposition. Correct. And she says a nose, the, the <laughs> nose the size of an anteater. <laughs> 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 yeah, it does. That is correct. Three out of hey. So this one I think is going to test you because it took me a while to work it out. This episode is called Ros and the Snoz, as you know. It is one of eight episodes that has Ros in the title. What are the other seven episodes that has Ros's name in the title? Wow. So this is like, it's not just the, the letters R-O-Z as part of another word. Her name is actually in the title. Say like Fraser's got to have it. Okay, so Roz's Roz's turn. I'll tick these off. Roz's turn is correct. I'll give you Roz the schnoz, so you've got six more to get. Roz's Krantz and Gildenstein are dead, or Gordenstein are dead. Um, Oh my god, I've hit, I've hit, I've hit a a, a wall already. Um, Okay, this is going to be so boring for listeners because I have to talk to keep the airtime interesting, but I also (laughs) need quiet to listen to think. What about? Um, a hint that one of them involves bulldog. Uh, oh god. Oh my god. This so I've got five to get right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> Roz. Season two episode. Uh, and, uh, uh, there's there's a, a new a new place for Roz or a new position for Roz. A new position for Roz. A new position for right. Roz. There's one in season two. There is season two. Yep. Yeah. Um, Funnily enough, I thought that would be the one that you would go to quicker. <laughs> oh my god, I'm going to kick myself. Give me a give me a slither of a clue. Um, do, 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 do. Well, like I say, one one involves heavily bulldog. Uh, one is when Roz is out of work. Oh my god, I am I'm embarrassed. <laughs> to get you to get, I want you to give me. A, I want to sit here for ten minutes and think about them, and I think I'd get them, but that that's going to make a very uninteresting episode. Um, so I'm going to have to get you to tell me to well, put listeners out in this room. You have in season. I, I don't know all the seasons. I know the season two one with the bulldog is Roz in the doghouse. Oh my god! We have Fraser loves Roz. Oh yeah, uh, Roz alone. Oh my god, I would never remember that one. And of course, the Wizard and Roz. 
Oh no! <laughs> not I, easy, are they? Honestly, I, th- I thought I had that one for some reason in my head. I had the wizard and Doctor Phil, but it's the devil and Doctor Phil. Yeah, you gave me a new position for Roz. Roz's Krantz and Goldenstein are dead. Oh um, no! Roz's turn. It's, it's not easy. Honestly. I re- well, I knew, I knew the wizard one. I taught myself out of it. Weirdly, I had to really search through. I actually had to go through IMDb and look them up to make sure I had them right. Because that's such I... a great question, though. Um, people back uh, listening will have had fun with that one. Weirdly, in my head, I can see which disc the episodes <laughs> are on, so I know that Roz alone, I think, follows "Merry Christmas, Mrs. Moskowitz," or is certainly on the same disc as it. I think Roz alone. I I, I think they're out of work. I'm pretty sure she's a bit short of money because of not being at work. And Fraser lends her the money. I think it's season six. I could oh, be wrong. Oh, okay. See, uh, let me have a look. Like seven yeah, or eight. Ro- Roz alone is the episode before Mrs. Moskowitz. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it just puts them on the same disc. But it's so weird how I've got that in my head just from seeing them on the on the Xbox, on the TV screen when I'm playing them in my Xbox. Um, but lovely questions there, Steve. And thank you, everyone, who wrote in this week uh, with yours as well. Awesome, as always. Shall we get into the review? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, animation Watch, tell me what it was, please, Mr. Mutant. A little red flashing light at the top of the Space Needle. Yes, it was. Uh, classic, we like this, a red light atop the needle. Coffee count, am I right in thinking it was about 175 last count? It was, and yep. 178 because Niles, Frazier and Roz all have a coffee in Nervosa. Mm. Excellent. Do we do we hear any orders? Oh, we do we hear Roz's order. Um, Frasier has a latte. I can't. I did, I missed Roz's. I was too busy. She orders to some kind of frappe or yeah, vanilla latte, something that costs. Can you remember how much? No. <laughs> so Frasier makes a point of saying, uh, "You've just ordered a four dollar coffee on the street." Might be a, ta- a tad dramatic, um, which we'll get there in a minute. Um, I got two lungs, but I only got one brother, as Niles reads <laughs> from the uh, the article here. Weirdly, I had this exact conversation with my brother not a week ago. We were talking about, um, oh, I just said, Tom, if I needed a lung, would you give me one? And he's like, what well, do they do that? Do they give lungs? I was like, okay, a kidney. And he's like, yeah, I'll give you a kidney. And he was he was very sincere. I think he would. And I genuinely would also do the same for him. I wasn't willing to give up a lung. <laughs> <laughs> he did have to think about that one. Um, and, you know, fair, fair enough. Who am I to, to begrudge a man his lung? Um, uh, but yeah, the, the 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 line now where Nile says, "I need you to come with me to a dog show," and Fraser says, "I would rather give you a lunk." Um, <laughs> it's just absolutely superb. Um, it's, it's pretty yeah. good timing because tomorrow I am off to a dog show. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost gutted that you said that because my bullet point here says this humour is designed for you, Steve. Yeah. Because the next line is, "And in what class will Maris be showing?" Exactly uh, what I wrote down. And why don't you tell listeners where you're off and and what's going on in your life? I'm actually off to the Fox Terrier Association Championship show tomorrow mm. because we own Smooth Fox Terriers. Uh, so there'll be wire Fox Terriers and Smooth Fox Terriers being shown tomorrow. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm doing in Brackley in Northamptonshire in uh, in the good old United Kingdom. Um, the the line about in what class will Maris be showing? I have an annual thing of every year when I go to Crufts in March. Um, I pretty much always post a picture of Crufts on Fraser Fan Club and put, and in what class will Maris be showing? Just so <laughs> me, he will be showing no class. And if I can find any pictures of Whippets at the same time, they also get added to the post. It's an annual with thing. any ramekins poised yeah. on their head. Yeah, remember the uh, Duchamp's wedding. <laughs> 
<laughs> that picture is one of my favourite stills of the show. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try at one point. Winnie, our uh, our oldest bitch. I'm going to try and get a picture of a ramekin on her head because I think she's actually going to look very marish. Like if I can fold her ear back and just manage to <laughs> one on I, her head or take a picture, I, I will do that and I will send I'd it. I'd love to see that. And I'd also love to see a video of her and Mrs. Beaumont going around the ice sculpture. Niles <laughs> <laughs> um, now with one of the all-time uh, lines, I think, that define his character. I want to prove that I'm strong and independent and I can't do that alone. Um What's so wonderful, I think, about that line is that it is a feeling I think we can all relate to at some point. Um, There are all times where we want to be strong and and we want to feel completely autonomous, but we need the support and and, and kindness of the people around us. And I think this is such a relatable quote. It's interesting because it's almost season one sort of humour, isn't it? It's Mm. it's a very... The way they do that... Sorry. The... It's very season one for me because of the way that, you know, he's got a seminar to go to. And that that line sounds like that kind of humour to me. Mm. It also reminds me, I think there's a point where Daphne says to him when he's first, as he, I think he might have first left Maris, um, and she says, oh, do you feel lonely? And he says, only when I'm alone or sometimes in the company of others. And yeah. and again, I think we've all felt that at times where you 100%. go into it and you can be surrounded by people and just go, do you know what? I, why am I here? I, I don't yeah. want to be here. And, and you do feel alone, even surrounded by hundreds of people. And that, those characteristics they give Nile, you think actually what he's going through is divorce and having been through divorce, I can 100% side that, you know, why Niles feels <clears> like that. Yeah. No, abs- absolutely. I think, I think some of those deliveries and, and particularly the one that you just mentioned from a different episode there, yeah, so so enormously relatable, um, and it's what makes Nar such a popular character. I think mm. um, we have Roz now, kind of grumbling about her finances, you know, not without cause, and and we have the great delivery of Fraser about the four dollar coffee. You know, even for the nineties, a four dollar coffee that's extraordinarily expensive. Yeah, um, because I I would expect to pay three fifty in British sterling for a coffee you know at a, at, a, at, a, at a cafe these days and in dollars um that equates to four point four four dollars and 46 cents so yeah we're, we're talking 30 years on and that's you know we're not quite a, a little bit less but that's that's a really expensive coffee I do like uh, I do like how she says no I'll get these I'll get these and then uh, Fraser says no honestly and she goes okay then he goes oh I'm winning everything today <laughs> that is so how how are you when you're kind of with with friends at a at a at a bar and people are going into rounds and things or how is your kind of social antenna whereas I I find I have to offer to buy people drinks if they're standing with me at a bar i immediately regret it and it's it's awkward for everyone but i i feel so awkward ordering for me and me alone then leaving and leaving them to do it i've got a friend called roger who i will actually see tomorrow Mm. um, an absolutely lovely gentleman he's mid-70s and i'll tell you one thing i feel like he might be my parent sometimes because if i see him he will never let me buy a drink and i almost bite him and I mean, literally, he'll just he'll go at the bar. He'll get ten drinks. He'll be he'll be looking back at tables, going, "Does anyone else want one? Anyone else? Anyone else? Do you want?" And you feel like saying, "But now you've ordered fifteen drinks, I can't say I'll get this one because I don't know half those people. I don't want to pay for all their drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kind of you, you want to repay him for the drinks that he's buying you, but everyone else, there's loads of other people there. There's a lot of people that you know, those sort of background drinkers that will say, "Oh yeah, okay, I'll have a beer." Hmm. And then you think, hold on a second, that guy hasn't got up for the last hour, but he's had three. 
and yeah. I'm going to get my help. And I think, well, I'll get them, and you know, you sort of pay him <laughs> back, but then you're paying for that guy that's not got up once so far. And you think, mm. oh. like you say, the etiquette of how and and how often do you let someone buy you a drink if you're out? You know, even if you're out for coffees, and the same person always goes, "I'll get these," and you go, um, "Oh, well, I'll get them next time or in a minute," and and then yeah. they sort of go, "Don't worry about it," and they walk out, and you go, "Great, now it's another time that I own a drink, and they won't let me pay." And what do I do? How do I, how do I repay this ongoing, yeah, <laughs> sort of tally of drinks that I owe? It's just a slippery slope. Um, I think etiquette in in this country is a weird one in terms of going into rounds and buying people drinks and and when to offer, when not to offer. Um, and I think there is just no kind of written social code anywhere. You just have to kind of go on the vibes. And I think it can it can put people in a bit of a, an awkward position. You know, I'm in a position right now where I start my job in, in kind of the end of August, um, but I'm not currently earning. Um, but I'm not I'm not kind of broke. Um, so, I, you know, it, I'm in a bit of a weird position where I'm not like throwing money around saying, oh, I'll get this, I'll get that, let me, let me get around. But at the same time, you don't want to seem like, you know, you want to pay your way as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. And you know, you don't want to be kind of a charity. Um, so it's it's a tough one. Um, I'll be curious to see kind of the American take on that because American takes on kind of tipping and rounds and bar yeah. tabs and things very different to the UK. So I'd be curious to hear. Um, five years ago today, uh, in this episode, Daphne joined the household as live-in healthcare worker slash slave. Um, she's quite happy. Um, she. Yeah thinks that she's been given sapphires what what has she been given are they plastic probably i believe so yeah with obviously a cheap metal covering because niles mentions way later in the episode that, green. That, that, that lovely green stain oh, on her skin not good I, think, I mean we'll discuss it a bit later as well when we get to that point what do you think of fraser giving that as a gift do you think it's i mean he seems genuinely he just saw something that he wanted to to buy a friend you know, she's done a couple of favours for him recently. He saw something she might like. Do you think he's fair in doing that? or? I mean, I'm going to say something I think is quite controversial here. And please, you know, feel free to bat this away. Knowing Fraser's taste and his his finances, I am surprised he would gift drugstore earrings to someone. Um, mm. Because I think that reflects badly on him knowing his position it wouldn't reflect yeah. badly on a you know a working class member of society but i think knowing the kinds of gifts he does buy for people and the precedents he's set mm. that this actually reflects worse on him than it does on on well that which is i guess what he's worried about so i'm, I'm not kind of making an original point there but i think i would just have assumed for this storyline he might have got something else, but then this, it has to work with the fact that he's forgotten it's the anniversary, so yeah, exactly. it can't be something valuable. So it works really well as a plot point, but it is it requires a little bit of gymnastics in terms of thinking: Would Fraser actually ever deign to pick up drugstore earrings? It's 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 an odd storyline because, I, as much as I see it, maybe as the B line arc of this the story, you know, it's not plot number one, is it? Plot number one really is that the Garretts are coming over. It's the Schnozis. <laughs> But that storyline and character development, I actually find later on, like I say, we'll discuss the Ros and Daphne bonding towards the end and how Daphne listens to how Frasier presents why he bought them. Mm. It's actually more important to see the development of those characters through these earrings than I mm. actually give a crap about the Garrett's coming over, <laughs> if I'm honest. Yeah. That, I think that, I agree with you. That stuff's childishly funny. The humour's there. But this stuff's actually quite 
almost sentimental and quite nice in the way they build these characters in the episode. Martin going to San Francisco is almost irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just why, why? There's no point. There's no point. Um, well, Wars has to stay over and they'd have to build another set, isn't it? As simple as that. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, that's a good point, actually. I was about to, about to ask about his return and, and what faci- that facilitates, but you've just yeah. kind of said that. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I think their bonding at the end is is really nice. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll kind of we'll get to that. Um, absolutely, but well, I completely agree with you. Uh, Martin obviously is off to Frisco. He, he he's kind of relaying the the memories of him and Duke on shore leave. Um, I mean, Steve, I think you and I should do the same. Let's get down to Frisco. Yeah. Um, well, let's pre- pretend we're single men. <laughs> um, I no, mean, yeah. I think things have changed from from Martin's uh, from his his experiences. But uh, it sounds like a pretty good time all round, to be honest. Back in the sixties, well, back now. Yeah, if you want to run off and get married, I mean, Gretna Green's closer, but we can go to San Francisco if you wish. Will it, it is closer, <laughs> um, but uh, I just yeah, I, I do I do love some of the lines that this this ridiculous C plot storyline um kind of engenders from 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 Marsip. uh frisco hasn't changed all that much fraser says i was a little bit confused about this but i think he's essentially just saying it's still a very sexually liberal place i know san francisco i know kind of lgbt is very well represented there um, yeah I, I think it's just a very kind of sexually liberal place and has been since the mid-century really the way I see that is Fraser's almost hinting at that it's the gay capital of America, a bit like Brighton being very, very... Like, yeah, associated very, very, with, with, with pride and kind yeah, of the, the LGBT hub. community is huge in Brighton, um, obviously mm-hmm. in London as well, but Brighton is like the home of it for... For sure. For, yeah, for things like festivals and pride. Um, and I think that's what Fraser's hinting at, that, yeah, obviously if you want to go for a party and you happen to be LGBT sort of... Frisco is the place to go. You are going to Frisco. That is going to be the biggest, best parties for for you. So, which, which is ironic in some ways, considering like you know Silicon Valley and incra- crazy rent prices have just made San Francisco inaccessible to basically everyone. Mm. But it's also like come here for parties. You know, we'll yeah. we'll, we'll Airbnb you. <laughs> um, the the voice of Marco on the um, the answering machine. I tried to look on IMDb for a, a voice for Marco, but there's no crediting anywhere. Right. Did he sound like someone to you? He didn't. Not that I reckon. I really think it's the actor that played Clint Webber. Could be. It, it be makes honest, sense. It could be anybody. It could be literally a cameraman. <laughs> It could be, it could be anyone, but it really sounded to me like Clint Webber. Um, yeah. And it, it, you know, it's only been about four or five episodes since he was around. He might have been knocking about on the set. Um, I don't know, but there's no way of me confirming that. Someone like Corey will probably get to the bottom of that. But uh, you, know what, you know what I wrote down for 13 messages, Marco underlined. Mm. Why are we using the same name again? Yeah. I wrote down, call me irresponsible. Yeah. It's that Marco that she couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting. It's not the same guy. We know it's not the same it's guy. But, but just get a different name. Writers, pick another name. He could it's have been not even a... me. Yeah. It's <laughs> not even a common name. It's like, why, why are you doing this? Why are you drawing attention to the already unique which, names you've picked? It made me think, hold on, we've got Steve Garrett. Come on, we've got Steve coming up later in the show. And we've already had the... Uh, Send a shout out to Steve Gomez. Stop calling everyone Steve. Just, just pick. The and in a, in a few seasons' there. time, we're gonna have just Steve. Exactly. Um, I mean, who did we have earlier? What was the, what was the guy's name? I didn't write it down when you mentioned it. Uh, who, who was the, the guy at the start that? Yeah, uh, Hawkins. Was it Michael? 
Yes. Uh, let me find it. Um, I've lost it already. Um, I'm purely uh, curious. I'm going to Google Michael Hawkins. Do you know why I'm going to Google him? Michael Hawkins, that was it. Because you know what Fraser people are like. So what are you looking for here? Who voiced him? A British actor. No, I'm literally curious as to when they mentioned Michael Hawkins at the start, is this a real person? Oh, I guess who was around at the time that might have inspired. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> amazing piece of Fraser trivia. Michael Hawkins is a British actor. Michael G. Hawkins was the conductor of the orchestra in the episode Moondance. Wow. The actor that plays the conductor in Moondance. Probably not actually related. I just want to know if Michael Hawkins was a real person. Oh, well, it seems like that name's obviously been around in, on the show. That that seems like more than just a coincidence to me. Um, yeah, either also- way. He's a British actor that died in 2022 and was in a film called Midnight Run. And oh, he's in the Amateurville Horror. Ooh. Strange. Um, God rest his soul. <laughs> we we learn that Ross posed nude, posed nude for her art teacher. How old do we think she is when she was know, doing that? She did still flunk the course. I mean, you know, she needed the extra credit. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping if you can flunk things, that might be college level. I'm hoping college. Let's hope she's at least 18. Um, Not that that makes it any any more permissible, but... um, How old is Roz, do you think, in this episode? Are we supposed to always assume she's like a few years younger than Frasier? Um, Because the way she acts, you'd think she was at least five years younger than Frasier, which would make her what, like, Late twenties, well, mid thirties. How old is Fraser meant to be in season five? Fraser's about forty-one at the start, isn't he? Oh, is he? In which case, then I'm having her about thirty-five. Right. So, because in season one, she says she's been in uh, producing radio shows for ten years. Mm-hmm. So that so would that have her as going into production at like twenty twenty-one, yeah, which so... makes sense straight out of college. Possible. So, so yeah. We go. Okay. Let's hope it was college that she got naked for a cheat. I really, really hope so. (laughs) Um, Frasier talking about how a lot of things are inherited, um, kind of anticipating the the reveal of uh, the Garrett's. Uh, We've got that kind of whole argument of nature versus nurture. Be curious to see where listeners are going to fall on that one. How much of our physical and mental makeup is inherited versus learned from our environments and from our parents and and etc. Because I think that's still... You know, it's really fascinating to me um, yeah. about the things that we are born with and that are going to thrust upon us. Um, the Garrett's at the door now. The way the wife is hiding because she's talking to someone. Well, it's the double reveal, isn't it? It's it's the double reveal, but it's very badly handled because it's just, oh, there's Mr. Garrett and there's a woman standing side on. Um, yeah. It just doesn't it doesn't work for me, but I get why they had to do it. Yeah, I mean, would she say, oh, it's, I go to the same hairstylist as your neighbour, would you believe? But they yes. never mention the neighbour's name. It could be absolutely anyone. It could be a bloke for all we know. or a... It could be Mrs. Watcher um, you know. wanted to say that name, didn't you? <laughs> I did, I did, I really did. Um, it could be Mrs. Shapiro. She lives down the hall. No, she's away. She moved. Um, you're not Jewish. Um, <laughs> I think the first bit that, gets me about this is obviously he sees the two noses and, and we get into um i i see dr crane you were shocked when you first saw us as well and ros is obviously shocked and then he says shocked that of course 
we have a 20 year old son because we look so young don't we and he goes yes don't they look young <laughs> yes so so good um just a wonderful wonderful delivery um my, my favorite line there is when uh she says, oh, he says, it's Roz here. Yes, Roz is, Roz is here. She's just in the uh, powder room, powdering herself. <laughs> powdering herself. I've got that as a, as a, she went to powder herself. I've got that as a bullet point. It was just phenomenal. One thing I will just say immediately, and my bullet point about the Garrets, these people are so lovely. They are absolutely lovely people. I would want to have them as friends, as in-laws, as my own parents. They definitely come across as just genuinely nice family people. Don't they really they're do. Really, they're, they're dressed up really, really smart, I must say, to get on a long-haul flight to Paris. Yes. I mean, a suit, <laughs> a lovely dress. They're not going to be comfortable on that flight. No, that seems like a very, very formal And way they're flying from the Pacific Northwest, so we're talking, you know, eight, nine hours. It's, is it, do you reckon it's longer? I think it's longer than that, isn't it? It probably is, actually. It could be like 10, 11. I was going to say, I'd imagine it's probably four hours to get from Seattle across to sort of New York, isn't it? It probably is. Two hours before, you know, with transfers and taxis and God knows what else. I think that's... So, yeah, Garrett's just throw a pair of sweatpants on. I mean, come on. It, it does then bring up, for me, not, not their dress sense. Um, I made the note that uh, Frazier says that he's got to leave at half past eight. Niles is coming over because the dog show starts at half eight at night. I'm getting up and leaving my house at about half five tomorrow morning to be there at 8am, not 8.30pm. Who has a dog show in the evening? Dog shows can run on for several hours. I mean, Crufts is literally seven o'clock in the morning till nearly seven, eight o'clock at night. I know that's a, a much, much bigger show. Um, but the show tomorrow will probably actually, we're, we're going to get there probably about half eight, nine o'clock. Once everyone's groomed dogs, trimmed dogs, etc., had a bit of a social, it starts at about 11, probably be done by about three or four. And that's with a small entry of dogs. If this is actually a dog show, you're going to get there at half eight. You're not going to mm. start judging or showing dogs until at least nine o'clock. It's an no. all-nighter. The Here dogs are going to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> there won't be much use in any of the kind of performance categories. But it, obviously, they have to mention this for the dog show because that way they can say, oh my God, we love dogs. We have two giant schnauzers. Which is just a phenomenal line. Open the nose floodgates which we we all of the jokes (laughs) we are we are very much going to get onto that very shortly um i mean roz i put here although i know it's for comedic value roz comes off terribly she doesn't know how to talk she just stands there like some kind of starstruck and and obviously not awestruck uh toddler um Frasier has to speak for her like he does with everyone he's finishing everyone's sentences which i think is hilarious as a kind of kind of comedic gag but also i don't love seeing in sitcoms when people completely devolve into having no social skills because it just makes yeah. it makes things hard to believe when those silences are happening and the studio audience is laughing massively I'm still in the world of the show and I'm thinking, what do the Garrets think in that five seconds of silence whilst people are laughing? You know, I find it hard to step out of that sometimes. It's difficult, but I think at the same time in real life, have we all been in that situation where you just literally want the world to swallow you up? Oh, yeah. That someone says something, and I guarantee after they said, we have two giant schnauzers, anyone would just sit there and go, oh God, what do we say? Where do we go with this? 
which is obviously how this unravels. I mean, you, you're right. Roz is very, very awkward. But then she's dressed very awkwardly. That's not her. That is not the Roz we know. I mean, when she comes out and she says, what do you think? What's Fraser replies, you look like Pollyanna grew up and got herself in a bit of trouble. Yeah. And she looks right awkward. Mind. Her her arms are by her sides. Her elbows are almost glued to her waist. She doesn't move mm. her arms. She doesn't. She just walks bolt upright. And she just looks hideously uncomfortable. So I guess she, the way she is very much out of her comfort zone. She's meeting people she doesn't know. They come in with these great big noses that she's dreading <laughs> anyway. And then they've got this flaw that she really doesn't want them to have. Um, and you know, you know what it's like. It's like when you're a kid and your mum and dad dress you up in something because you know you're going out on a Sunday and you think I don't want to wear a shirt and tie. I'm six. This isn't what I want to wear, and you, you instantly just don't want to be yourself. You know, you you have to act like you're someone else, and that's not what you want to do. You're a kid, and like you say, she's like a toddler in this. She just acts like a child. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it is that kind of toddler infantilizing of her as a character, just for comedy's sake, that is a bit hard to swallow. Um, Martin comes back now. Frisco is a bust. Um, you know, there's a crowd of people outside City Hall. Men are kissing men. Women are kissing women. Sounds like a great place to be. Um, I'm not sure, but I think Duke and I might be married now. <laughs> just phenomenal quote here. Um, rice is being thrown. Just yeah, presumably he, he presumably he stumbled upon some kind of pride celebration, um, yeah, or some kind of community wide marriage. I don't know. That was what I wondered. Was it because it was the 90s? I'm not. I don't want to offend anyone with what I'm about to say. Was it sort of a coming out parade or was it a celebration of gay marriage being allowed in San Francisco at that time? Yeah, it could have been. Could have Obviously, been either. It wasn't always really popular. Um, I mean, we've only now got gay marriage over here legally like in, within the last few years, haven't we? Before that, it was always civil partnership. Civil wasn't partnership, it? Now yeah. It's, now it's official. You can be um, husband and husband like mm-hmm. properly married. Um, so back in the 90s again, obviously, you had Dan Butler coming out whilst a star of Frasier. He hadn't come out until he was actually in front. I think um, Perry Hilton and Jane Leaves actually went with him to a ceremony of, you know, sort of actors that were coming out and celebrating um, being gay. So I think, you know, was that sort of a, a nod towards that sort of action? Again, without mm-hmm. researching what was going on in the 90s in San Francisco, you know, but yeah, I, I always pictured it as being some sort of, like you say, huge gay um, sort of like a ceremony. So they're all married at once. So there's a lot of couples that are all getting into a civil partnership and they're legalizing it in one big thing to celebrate. And that's why he thinks they're married. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I think I think that's how it's it's being kind of presented here. Absolutely, um, Martin scream when he sees the Garretts is hilarious. <laughs> He's the only one that kind of audibly reacts. Um, yeah. In my head, I'd got a few of them as gasping or screaming, um, but it actually is only Martin that makes an audible reaction to the Garretts. The rest of them are kind of non-verbal, which is is funny in its own way because I like the fact they saved that for Martin. He is the most uncouth. He is the most of his generation, so it makes sense. Um, and then he does deliver perhaps the best zinger of the episode, which is, mm, what's that I smell? Probably Japan. Um, I mean, one, Kevin Kilner's delivery off screen of that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Martin, John Mahoney killing that line. I mean, we should get into this a little bit. We, we don't have loads of time left of the episode. Yeah, we're trying to kind of keep this to an hour, but I think we're going to spill over a little bit. But 
I mean, people love and hate this episode. Some people think it is just pure comedy. It's of its time. It's 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 physical comedy. It's playing on some kind of silly physical comedy tropes, um, and that's all it is. Some people think it's a little bit toxic, and it's kind of it's about body shaming. And you know, where where do you kind of fall on this in a in a kind of podcast host diplomatic position, Steve? Personally, I still find the episode funny. I mm. I. I wrote down some of the jokes, which I mean, it's. I think it's because they're so tacky that they actually makes it funny. I've written yeah. down Parisians can be kind of snooty. I mean, come on, that's the first giggle that Fraser sort of yeah, has to walk away from. Yeah. Then obviously you've got them laughing in the kitchen with "What's that I smell?" Martin, probably Japan. Then you've got <laughs> Keisha, Keisha Lorraine, Keisha. I hardly know her. Fraser goes bursts out laughing into the kitchen, comes out. I hardly know her. <laughs> oh, I just got that. <laughs> because he's using it as a way of covering up. Then we've got yeah. my wife is nosy. No, everyone knows you're nosier. No, everyone knows that you're the nosier one. And, and I'm not nosy. It's you that's nosiest. And then you're just getting into the absolute ridiculous. Um, it, as I said before I came online, I'll, I'll read a few of the comments. I actually posted on Fraser Fan Club. So we've got, what, 23,000 uh, members. So yesterday morning mm. I posted on there, what is your opinion of the episode, Ros and the Schnoz? And I got probably the best part of 200 opinions back from people. Wow. I won't go all the way through. No, I won't give, give, give us a sample. I won't give the people's names out because obviously they're real names on like Reddit and um, I haven't asked these people whether I can credit them or not. So I won't read out their names. However, uh, one person wrote, love it. I'm tired of people holding 90 sitcoms to 2023 standards comedy was allowed back then with no holds bars it was a simpler time seems like only yesterday and that person actually posted the scene from later on near daphne's wedding with the harp seems like only yesterday (laughs) (laughs) genius um i'll just read you some of the other short ones um i've got fan favorite but i think it's a little overrated hilarious i probably smell japan (laughs) um i'm going to keep my nose out of this i don't want to cause trouble which i thought was quite clever um i skip it juvenile humor uh agreed it's kind of silly it's not the usual smart fraser jokes which i think is what actually gets a lot of people that this isn't the same sort of class it is low hanging fruit a little bit isn't it yeah i mean we've we've touched upon quite a few of the fast episodes in the past and a lot of people don't like the farcical episodes purely because they think fraser's fraser 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 a little bit more highbrow um, than a show like Friends, for example, which is made for cheaper gags for younger people. Frasier should be classier, and I think that's what this offends people, because it's not just, it, without trying to use the phrase, it's not just the body shaming that they're actually mocking someone's personal appearance. It's the fact that some of the jokes are very, very corny. It's almost like Martin's dad jokes, you know what I mean? Thigh slappers and rib ticklers, that kind of joke that they're just kind of childhood um playground sort of jokes they're not adult humor and i think that's what really upsets people other than the fact that it is slightly mocking where it is very mocking really Mm. of people's appearance and that obviously we don't agree with that now like i said to you before when we were off air there's episodes in other sitcoms and shows in the 90s where they would mock people for that um seinfeld comes to mind as well actually there's an episode where Jerry's dating this beautiful woman and she says and uh, and they're all at the apartment and they're all talking and she says there's so many beautiful women in New York and uh, Kramer says but you're as beautiful as any of those you just need a good nose job oh. and 
Elaine hits him, everyone screams at him because the woman has got a slightly big nose and Jerry can't get over it. He keeps saying, but she's beautiful. But, I, you know, has she got a big nose? And then Kramer literally just lands that one. And then I, I think she walks out and they never date again. Um, but, you know, it was okay back then. And now no one would write comedy like that. No one in mm. 2020 or probably even the 2010s would actually write an episode mocking someone's physical appearance in such a way. Mm. No, very, very true, um, and and kind of uh, yeah, good sample of comments from from FFC that you've read out there. Um, I, I I do agree that I think it is corny and it's on the low hanging fruit side of the comedy. I think I do think Frasier is better than this. Yeah. I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the episode because I just think it's it's fun um, in in kind of you know as as simple a way as you can get. Um, I remember my uh, kind of an ex-girlfriend of mine, her family liked Frasier and they always remembered this episode. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, I've seen Frasier. I've always loved this episode where Ross is, she meets the parents or the grandparents, whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, I know the episode. Um, it, it's just one that obviously sticks with people because it's quite unique in its in its setup. Um, yeah. It's very much like, it, 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 it's kind of its own thing. But I, I get why people find this contentious. Um and I, I, I get why people would skip it, but like it's less skippable for me than things like Beware of Greeks and yeah. Freudian Sleep and stuff. Um, it's less controversial than those sorts of episodes for me personally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, listeners, very intrigued to hear your thoughts. Um, I've put here that Fraser's moralizing, and he does very much take the high ground here is for once incredibly satisfying because we're like finally someone who's actually being nice and kind here the garrett's are lovely people but then <laughs> he immediately succumbs right at the apex of his moralizing he just succumbs to the schnauzer's line and yeah. then and then yeah. as you say pass it off with keisha <laughs> i just got that i mean i do make this joke all the, oh, time. All the time i i do the keisha joke all the time but then like i'm trying to think of not the word keisha but like, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of other two syllable words that end uh, because I do this for those as well. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know, like put this in the cooler. Cooler? I hardly know it. Like I do it all the time. Um, and it's because of this episode. I just think it's a, it's wonderful. It, it always reminds me of that sort of childish joke. You know, I took my wife, uh, is it, I took my wife to Jamaica or something like that. Oh no, I've gone on holding my wife. Jamaica? No, no, she wants to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible joke, but, and that, and like you say, that is that sort of playground humour. It is childish. I, I enjoyed the episode as well, to be fair. I mean, I, I do enjoy it. I think mm. it, it's almost a bit like, is it the matchmaker when they're laughing at um, yeah uh, Tom Duran being gay, but not laughing at him being gay, but laughing at Frasier. Frasier's and, ignorance. And you've sort of got, yeah, and you've got Martin and Niles in the in the kitchen and Martin just keeps bursting out laughing. <laughs> Part of what makes this episode funny to me is actually Martin's laughter and phrases yeah. that the way he delivers that I hardly know it. I just got that so good. Kelsey literally looks like he's about to die laughing. I mean yeah. you can see that it's actually real humor from him. And and Martin as well. John Mahoney is just hilarious the way he's delivering those lines and his personal laughter is coming through. And I think they're obviously finding their own acting funny. The, the audience is feeding off that. The joke almost just falls by the wayside because you can enjoy laughing at how much they're laughing at performing. Yeah. So, again, it makes it an enjoyable episode without the corniness of the jokes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think you've kind of touched upon something I enjoyed here in that 
I can see so many of the of the characters or the actors genuinely laughing or genuinely mm. holding in laughter. Like if they're not, like they're doing a phenomenal job of making it look real. Um, and I know that sounds really stupid because they are skillful actors, but like D- DHP in particular, when he sits on the sofa and Frasier coming out of the kitchen, it looks like the actors are having a really good time here and they're not having to reach very deep for, for that laughter. Um, it's, it's one of those times I almost wonder, did they do this in a short amount of takes? Because it doesn't look like they've rehearsed it many, many times. It looks mm. like they had a table read. They got on really well. They went out to perform this and they probably got that in one or two takes and literally just went out there and belted out. And I think jokes. it would have been so oh. much more enjoyable and funny for them to do that, to do it in a short amount of time. Um, yeah. Because then the, the joke's just landing in a, in a much better way. Um so we have kind of Ross's comments in the kitchen about the good attributes that their child is going to inherit, but then also the slightly <laughs> tasteless nose of an anteater. <laughs> um, which just... her delivery makes that funnier because it's, it's <laughs> and has a nose like an anteater. Perry Gilpin screams that, doesn't she? She and does. a nose like an anteater. <laughs> <laughs> better that you can laugh at the reaction rather than the actual words it's very much a kids need milk over and over again oh, very much so um now fraser trying to haul the garrets out of his apartment lest they discover the kind of falseness <laughs> behind his his gift earrings to daphne um he's practically pulling mr garrett to his feet um so that he doesn't kind of find the ring and he we learn that he's a jeweler and and yeah he's clearly you know, very, very well off and, and good for you, Mr. Garrett. Um, Daphne hugs Niles at this point. And Niles gets a little excited, I believe, we're, we're led to believe. Yeah, again, again. A- again, Niles physically showing his excitement. Um, it's subtly done, but uh, nevertheless. Um, but I do, I do love the way Fraser is, is just urging them out of the apartment i think it, it plays to kelsey's kind of slightly frantic physical comedy yeah i mean frazier as a character once again actually shows he's quite a hideous person he the is. way he actually turns incredibly rude to mr garrett like you say he's dragging him up off the floor no no go on you know you better go out the plane and he goes oh i found it i found it there we go never mind and as soon as they leave, <laughs> no, it's goes, just a piece oh, of lint the search continues <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's actually really rude to, to Daphne as well, because it's mm. almost like, who cares? Get on with it. You know, doesn't matter. And um, it, it reminds me of, spoiler alert, as I always say, later seasons when he makes, uh, is it Reagan? Regan? Yes. Regan? Regan? Yeah, Re- Regan. And, um, he says he hurts his back and he kicks the lettuce at her, that she's dropped her shopping and he just stands there. Oh, my God. Is to thine, is it to thine own self? Is that when he's chained to chained to Officer Nasty? Yeah, Officer yeah. Nasty. Officer Nasty. And, uh, yeah, the lettuce lands at his feet and he just kicks it out and goes, well, there you go then. You <laughs> <laughs> couldn't do it. It's just so awkward. It's just, yeah, it's so well done. Um, towards the end of the episode, uh, Mrs. Garrett comes back with the pictures and that's the Ricky you'll see in the baby. We learn Rick had a nose job. Where is um, he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the great line, where is the end of it from Niles about the nose here? Um, because you'll never hear the end of it if Ross shows them and <laughs> she does. Um, and then we get this lovely moment of Ross and Daphne. She's looking at pictures of herself. We learn about her ear job. It's nighttime in the apartment. There's a, there's a lull, there's a hush. Um, and yeah, just a nice moment of the two the two girls of our main cast kind of bonding, and I think we're we're unfairly robbed of this quite a lot. 
it's a really nice sort of minute or two, isn't it? That you know, Daphne sort of gets more sentimental again with with Roz. As I, I wrote down, just Daphne Roz bonding um, mm. because they have that conversation, and you know, Daphne is very calming to her and sort of very sort of helpful almost. Mm. She's not normally, but then there's that last minute joke when they get up she goes all oh, the baby king she goes you sure it wasn't a sneeze that's <laughs> so good and we've gone straight back down again i mean just right back down straight back um, down but one of the better gags so like it, yeah. it saves it i think yeah i mean um, I, like i said i think it's a nice moment i mean the fact that martin had given up his bedroom for ros and obviously when he reappears i started to think to start with I can't remember where Roz then ends up sleeping because she can't go back to her apartment and Daphne takes her to her room. I'm so, so glad you said this. My last bullet point is where is Roz sleeping? Is she sharing a room with Daphne? Yeah, sounds like she's just going to stay in Daphne's bed. There we go. Sounds like Bulldog's dream. Um, um, or he's outside the door with a glass. To it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, top 10, Stephen. Is this in your top 10? It's not, no. It, it, no. It's full of belly laughs, I must admit. I do find it funny, like I say, for stupidity rather than class of joke. But no, it's not in my top ten. It's not in my top ten either, but this is an episode I would show kind of my family if I wanted them to see like a funny Frasier episode um, and I wanted to guarantee some laughs and, you know, I wanted a bit of a kind of a light-hearted vibe because, you know, there were plenty of Frasier episodes that are amazing that aren't light-hearted. Um, would you like to guess at the first two episodes? I mean, Elle had seen some of it when I used to just put it on TV when she first moved in and was living with me. And I said to her, I'll show you two episodes I think you will really like. So what do you think the first two episodes I showed it were? I would I would say the ski lodge. No. <laughs> wow. Um and not ham radio. No. That surprises me. So both possible still, pretty much. Oh, okay, so the matchmaker. Yes, that's one of them. And the my doctor first, the doctor is out. Oh, my first ever episode that I saw. Can you oh. remember? Is it before or after Matchmaker chronologically? After, I believe. Oh my god. Um I'm trying to remember some of the classic farces. They are both in my top ten as well. Three Valentines <laughs> out with the devil. That's one of them. The other one is in season four, and it is in my top ten. The one I'm looking for is in season four. Yep, and in my top ten. Oh my god! Why well, can't I remember a farce from season four? Give me, give me a clue. <laughs> How many words in the in the episode title? Four. Four for the seesaw. No, the two Mrs. Cranes. <laughs> oh, of course, you'd love that episode. Oh, that's so, so those frustrating. Were the two episodes that I introduced her with, and she said, Do you know what? She said, I thought it was a bit slapstick. And then she wanted to watch more. And as we watched, I said, Right, we'll go back to the start. And we went from the start. And she said, I actually really like this show. I love that. Well, Charles and I have still got a, we've only on season one together. <laughs> Um, but she That's does want to... tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> she does want to continue watching it, but we will be living together from tomorrow. So uh, you can bet that a little bit more Frasier will be on uh, in in the interview. At least one episode a week, but she's probably going to end up with season five, episode twenty one as the next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll have to she'll have to just not watch when I do the podcast uh, watching. Um, actor, who have you gone for, Steve? I actually think I want to go for Kelsey because I think mm. that. Keisha, I hardly knew her. <laughs> and also the bit in Nervosa at the start when he says, Well, I'm just winning everything today and takes the, the uh, 
the bill off Ross. I just think some of his lines, I, I think it's Kelsey for me this time. I have gone for Kelsey. Um, so very nice to hear that you did too. Um, there's a lot of great performances all round in this episode. I could feasibly have given it to anyone, but he does do the lion's share of kind of mediating the farce and the slapstick uh, in this episode. And I think he does a really good job of it. So yeah, I've gone for Kelsey too. Uh, Kenley Burling, our man on the ground. What physical imperfections, if any, does he suffer from, Steve? Is he a man that possesses a physical imperfection? I think most listeners will agree when they realise they already know that uh, that and he said Kelsey Kennedy <laughs> Kennedy is in fact perfect. He's flawless. He's flawless. I have heard um, he's got some problem follicles um, on his head, but I I can't confirm that. Other other than the problem follicles, I've heard he's pretty flawless. So oh, actually, we I can't remember the member's name, and they are a listener. I need to find out who it was. Is this the AI generated Kennedy Burley? Exactly that because. Yeah, for, for listeners, please navigate over to Fraser Fan Club because some wonderful listener who Steve is going to find the name of shortly, um, they generated using AI um, a a picture of what they believe Kennedy Burling could look like. Um, I want to see, does this match who you've got in your head? How else would you differ um, if you were well, to I sketch? I point out that a couple of people also put the same comment as me and what you'd agreed is, I believe Kennedy's black. <laughs> well, we... Said- the images of what of a white man. He's very well dressed, and he does does kind of ring true to what I would imagine Kennedy looked like. And there's quite a few comments that said, "I always thought Kennedy was black," and I was like, "He the, doesn't actually exist. The, the, <laughs> he doesn't exist." So the beauty of Kennedy is, you may put upon him whatever you wish. He could be any race, any gender, any orientation, any creed uh, that you so desire. But I'd like to hear what is your personal Berling. Um, it sounds like the film Your Own Private Idaho, Your Own <laughs> Personal Burley. <laughs> I'd love to hear uh, who, who you've got. Um, short notice, I cannot find the. Post. That's okay. That I'd is like okay. Thank you to that member who does know who they are. They will be listening because they, they are do. obviously a podcast fan. Thank you for listening and thank you for uh, making that AI of Kennedy Burley. Absolutely. It, it, it provided a lot of uh, mirth in the group yeah. chats. <laughs> Um, whose crane is it anyway? All that remains is to play this little bit of fun before we go into listen mail. Who uses the word preview in this episode? Uh, I'm gonna say the word preview. Ranger says it to Roz to say it's gonna be a preview into what your child might look like. That's exactly what it is. I was struggling this week with what to pick, and I I, I've, I thought that could go either way. Um, but I, I like to try and give one that is gettable because sometimes they're so obscure, it's pointless. Um, well, yeah, well, and- I am probably pointless in whose crane is it anyway. So mark one down in the tally sheet that I've actually scored. A- <laughs> <laughs> either way, you got that one. I'm very very pleased for you, Steve. Um, shall we jump over to listen to Mal? Yes. Roz, who's our next caller? But yeah, listeners, while while we're doing this, um, please please do get in touch with the the burling that exists in your head, um, because I'm very curious to hear what physical attributes he's taken on um, for you personally. I mean, originally he was inspired by Keith Bishop from "And the Whimper Is." Um, OG listeners will remember that. <laughs> Um, not that it's a competition, but OG listeners will remember. Um, so if anyone wants to hear the origins of Kennedy Burling, that's where you need to go. And the whimper is, um, I've got to start my fantasy premier league football team again for this season. I remember last year, uh, the brilliant Lloyd Griffiths, 
um, who hopefully is listening, um, his team were called uh, Kennedy Burling FC, and I'm hoping he continues it again <laughs> next year, but we don't know. Um, have you got the listener mails ready to go, Steve? Yep, looks like I have. Excellent. I am going to go from the top. I'm going to read a couple here. So, firstly, he's a goth now. Uh, posted a, a a mock-up of a Villa kit, an Aston Villa kit, where sponsored by We're Listening, um, which I absolutely love. And and Cam Winston and Corey both put make this happen, and I'd buy one of these uh, respectively. So thank you for posting that. It's absolutely excellent. Uh, and Swan Pippa says. As I enjoy another great episode of the podcast, it reminds me of the Fraser family and community that has been created by this podcast. Will, Key, and Steve has brought people from all parts of the world together, from America to Ireland to England to New Zealand and everywhere in between, all for the love of a show. For an hour or so per episode, you bring us into this podcast little world. Who would have thought when you released the first episode on that Thursday, you'd have supported us through a pandemic? In the last episode when doing listener mail, Argo mentioned about the three of you doing an episode together. Would Steve's name be put in at the end of the music intro? Anyway, guys, thanks for all your hard work and for bringing so much joy to so many. Well, a lovely message, and thank you so much, Swan Pipper. That's so kind. And I, I need to remember, I always forget who, who created the the theme tune for us i think it's um i'm trying to remember their username i will remember if i see it because they've got like a ludicrous pop and esque username <laughs> um but uh I, I think they've commented before on whether or not they've still got the original files but i'd love to have steve's name in the in the theme tune but... i would add that my name can't be in the theme tune because the trombone frightened me <laughs> <laughs> but in, in in spiritually he is there and you can hear him if you listen very carefully if you listen to the triangle at the end i believe it says steve in high that's, pitch that's me that's, that's, me. that's steve <laughs> um are we in is it entire fishing next uh yeah i think go for that one yeah going to listen as i drive over to wolverhampton mm. all the episodes in about two months call that is some binge listening that that's is. good that's good going uh, really enjoyed your company and listening to you guys develop and build this podcast. I'm from Birmingham originally, and one of the friends was Kieran Barton, son of Tony Barton, the Villa manager who won the European Cup in 1982. Woo. Sadly, Kieran isn't with us anymore, but he was a fabulous friend, and I remember him being inside the European Cup in a photo when I was when he was a kid. Keep up the good work, guys. I love hearing Brummies, and I get all the references. I'm from is it Woley Castle? I think so. Woley Castle. Woley Castle. Is it not time to talk about Mr. Egg? Will, you're a local. What is Mr. Egg? I mean, I had to Google Mr. Egg. Sadly, I don't know. I think it was some kind of restaurant or some a place that served eggs very late at night. Um, I'm interested in this. <laughs> somewhere people went to eat after clubbing, um, but I can't be certain. So uh, entire fishing, please get back in touch and tell us. Um, I love that they listened to driving up to Wolverhampton. I mean, obviously, up until tomorrow, I used to have to drive over that way to go and see Charles every week. Um, so there's a lot of nostalgia in that phrase. But uh, amazing Tony Barton Villa winning the European Cup, our greatest ever achievement. We still dine out on that particular accolade. So absolutely lovely from uh, entire fishing there. Uh, Kal-El, 19, uh, 1882, says, Salutations, Wilkie and Steve. I'm a recent listener, but I've been binging the episodes. And while I'm working through, just thought I'd get my appreciation in now. You guys are doing a fine job. What with the Simpsons references, discussion of literature, and Steve's affection for Red Dwarf. Isn't it ironic, not a romantic, not romantic that an episode focusing on Frasier's extreme horniness and relaxed attitude to a casual relationship should be directed by one Dan 
Butler. Even when not on screen, the influence of Bob Bulldog Briscoe brings the whole episode into the doghouse. Not a massive favourite episode of mine, but a good filler episode. Also, isn't it weird that despite having a high set of morals and ethics, Frasier is very, very easily swayed by his libido. Not that I'm anything of a monk myself, but he really does have several instances of letting his sexual proclivity rule his usual decision-making. I suppose we get the antithesis is Niles, who not only shows in this episode he hasn't had a steamy, passionate affair like that ever, but in the next episode of First Dates, shows his tender and endearing nervousness in acting upon impulse, making up a fake date just because he did not have the bravery to tell Daphne his true feelings. The two episodes back-to-back, therefore, dovetail quite well with each other. Wonder if this was intentional. Anyway, keep up the good work, or should I say, Boston. I have a family from the black country. Love that. Cheers to Villa taking Spurs' European place. I didn't fancy going back to Thursday Night Games, but glad you guys will be appreciative of it. Cal. Thank you very much, Cal L. It's a very local podcast, suddenly. Yeah, I know, anyone, I'm loving I'm loving this. Anyone outside Birmingham listening at all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up we have He's a Goth Now. Another great episode, lads. Watching First Date and Frasier's delivery of God Cousins and God Neighbours gets me every time. I know Will enjoys a good rainy Seattle background and the downpour in the opening scenes really does elevate the coziness of the apartment. Oh, Do it does. Daphne's stopping by with a dessert and staying to cook was just her being a good friend or either consciously or subconsciously trying to interrupt Al's dinner out of jealousy? Thanks again for a great podcast. Mm, a good a good question there. Some food for thought. I'd love to hear some some opinions on that. Uh, to round out Listener Mail this week and to bring the episode to a close, we've got MK, our boy, Mischief Knight. We love you. That last episode was the most intense podcast pleasure I've ever known. <laughs> so, Steve, you mentioned Marin's timeline. It's actually Maris, maybe? Maris's Martin. time. Martin. Martin. Martin's timeline is weird of when he served in the army and joined the force and etc. Below is a thesis co-authored with John Beale, who has featured on the podcast. OG listeners will remember. Oh, John Beale, I hardly knew ye. With contributions from Dr. William Carroll detailing the timeline. There's still holes and discrepancies and some things need to be assumed, but here we go. Okay, listeners, strap in for your Martin timeline. 1950, age 18. Martin enlists to fight in the Korean War, 1950-53, to possibly becoming a member of the military police. Steve, read out the next bullet point. 1952, age 20. Early in the year, Martin takes shore leave with Duke to visit Frisco. Shortly after short leave, Martin is discharged, possibly due to an injury, and returns to Seattle, a war hero, where a pro-veteran police chief fast-tracks him into the Seattle police force. Mm. As a rookie, Martin gets caught in the squad car, rolling in the hay. <laughs> in March and June, as a patrolman, he responds to a homicide, where over a chalk outline he meets Hester, and they begin courtship. June, Hester becomes pregnant with Frazier. 1953, age 21, March 11th, Martin Hester welcomed Frasier into the world. 1952, possibly, to 1962, Martin walks the beat where he passes by the restaurant that changes hands several times, Tony's Meatball Hutch and a taste of Yorkshire. <laughs> Martin also claims that he was mounted patrol with Agades for eight years, which may or may not coincide with working the same beat. 1963, age 31, Martis promoted to homicide detective, serving at least one year on a vice detail and remains in this role. In 1987, age 55, Hester passes away from lung cancer. 
1991, age 59, Martin is shot and retires shortly thereafter. So again, a lot of assumptions and Fraser's actual birth year is difficult to lock down. Some put it at 1952, while others at 1953. But some of the dates hinge on actual episode air dates, which are not always reliable. So this was the best John and I could do. Also, consider this thesis the fun bits for rather than the schnoz, as Martin's line about going to Frisco in 1952 is what opened this can of worms. I can confirm this was the subject of a, a very interesting kind of conversation in one of our group chats born from the podcast. Um, John and Corey are just amazing encyclopedias of Fraser knowledge, and they have kind of put this time uh, timeline together. The only contribution that I made was that I remembered Martin mentioning in Fraser Gotta Have It, him rolling in the back of the squad car with someone, thinking, who the hell is that? Because it's not Hester. Um, but that is phenomenal. So if anyone wants to go and see the visual kind of timeline, go and find it on Reddit. Um, on on that note, place. if you're going to point people to Reddit, do you want to tell people where they can actually get hold of you on social media for Reddit and Twitter, etc.? Or That is a good... In, in case they want to write in for listener mail, that is a good point. So if you want to write in for listener mail, as I know some people do, every time we put an episode out, we post it to uh, reddit.com forward slash r forward slash Frasier, um, and you will find it kind of every week on there. Um, that is where we read listener mail from, um, but we do kind of look at all the messages you send us. We are on Facebook um, at We're Listening, a Frasier podcast. We are on Twitter at Frasier Pod. Uh, and you can write to us there as well. Um, you can find all of our links and kind of various websites on there. Um, if you ever wanted to donate to the podcast, you can do so via those links as well. Uh, and you can find where to listen to us and review us, should you be so inclined. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for everyone who wrote in this week. Um, so lovely to hear from so many of you. Uh, it's going to be a little bit higgledy-piggledy with me kind of moving house and going on holiday next week, but I hope to be back to it um, within a week or two. Um, and that means next episode will be the life of the party. We're going to see Martin leaving uh, a hair dye coloured stain on an armchair. Um, but other than that, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're... Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Oh my And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs Ha, 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 ha But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled